Well, good morning, RCC. Uh, it's good to see all of you guys. Welcome to all of you on the other campuses. We're so glad that you are joining us. Maybe you're watching us online. We are so grateful to have you on this last day in 2023. Can you believe it? Yeah, you're like uh, really excited about it, I can tell. Well, you're, you're gonna be excited about it. We're gonna have a great time today. I'm so glad uh, that you are here today. My name is Philip Thurman. Uh, some of you are like, man, how do I know this guy? I mean, I've heard this ugly voice. I've seen that ugly face, that long chin and that big nose. Who is this guy? Well, um, a couple of years ago, 2020, my wife and I left our first church plant in Madison, Mississippi, and we went to Madison, Alabama and planted a second church. When I made that move, the first call that I made was to your pastor, Pastor Paul Smith. And I said, hey man, I feel like God's calling us to leave Madison, Mississippi after 18 years, the church that we had started there, and has called us to move to Madison, Alabama. Notice a trend? Madison, I'm trying to figure out what the next Madison's gonna be. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so then we moved to Madison, Alabama, and we were there for three years until last year, the end of last year, a friend of mine that many of you may know if you've been here for a while, called me and said, hey, um, would you ever consider coming to the Atlanta area? No, not really, I really don't wanna work for you. Well, long story short, he convinced me to come and be a part of his church staff. Many of you refer to him as Uncle Gerald, Uncle Gerald Fediomi. He has taught here a number of times, and so I am on staff with Gerald Fediomi. I'm the community engagement pastor. I've been there since February, living in the Atlanta area, and we've just seen God doing some amazing things, and it's been humbling to be a part of what God is doing here. I hear about it all the time. Talk to Paul, talk to different staff members to hear what all God is doing here, and it's been absolutely amazing to be able to see what God is doing here. Today, I don't know about all of our other campuses, about online, but we got to experience here today three Baptists and all three of them have wrecked me. It's been amazing to see what your, our church is about, what God has been doing here, and I'm so proud to be a part of this. I consider you all my family, and so I'm honored to be here to be able to share what God has laid on my heart to be able to share with us today. Now, as is always the case, you know, when you get a speaker you don't know, you kind of need to know them a little bit. And everybody does this, so I'm not gonna be any different. I wanna show you a picture of my family. Take a look at my beautiful family. I've got two boys, and I've got a daughter, uh, my daughter looks just like me, evidently, they tell me. Uh, I hope she's a lot prettier than I am. I think she is. And then I've got two beautiful daughter-in-laws. Um, and then the lady in pink is my wife. Now, she said, don't you dare call me up on that stage. I'm not gonna embarrass my introvert wife like that, but she's sitting somewhere in this auditorium, um, front row, and if you wanna say hi to her and embarrass her later on, that would be fine. But um, I didn't tell you where, who she is or where she is, but she's just here in the auditorium. So this is my wife of 33 years, 34 this August. Uh, I've known her almost 36 years. We met in college and, and just been an amazing journey. She's the bedrock of our family, has been amazing. But I say all that to say that every grandparent has to say this, right? Uh, but it's true in my case. Uh, the, the next picture is everything. I want you to see my two grandsons. Cooper and Graham, yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Cooper is two years old, Graham is seven months old. If I'd have known that having grandkids was this much fun, I'd have had them first. <laughs> and I told my kids that, I'm still trying to figure out how I can make that happen, but somehow or another, biologically, that just doesn't work that way. But these two guys are absolutely amazing, get to see them, get to spend time with them. Cooper is all about FaceTiming Dadu, that's my name, Dadu, and Lolo, and wanted to connect with us and see us, but these are just the joys of our life. It's awesome to be able to be close by, 
to get to love on them and be a part of their life. So that's enough about me. I wanna move on and talk to us a little bit about what God has laid on my heart that I feel like is so important for us to talk about today. We're on the cusp of 2024. Many of us are, are like the video that we just saw. We, we're kind of sitting in this moment of bewilderment like Christmas has already come. There's this daze, there's this haze that's over our heart and our mind. And it's like, man, Monday has already come and gone. We've opened all the presents. We've eaten all the food. We've been with family, uncle so-and-so, uh, aunt so-and-so. I'm so glad they've left the house and I can get my bedroom back. Uh, you know that feeling. I, I'm not saying anything strange. And, and you've had those moments where it's like, wow, Christmas is so special. But then there are these moments where it's like, oh, not another Christmas. For some of us, it was the first Christmas without a loved one or, or something that, that was very significant to us is now gone. And so Christmas was this moment of blur. And, and we all had this tendency that in these moments of time, particularly this week between Christmas and the new year, where we always have a tendency to want to look back and kind of evaluate how things were in the past, but we also have this desire to look forward. And some of us get excited about looking forward. Others of us, it's like, I don't know if I'm really excited about 2024. I mean, 2023 was slow, it was painful, it was difficult, I didn't really like it, but I, I'm gonna trust that maybe God is gonna say something and do something to us and in us this morning. So as we sit in this season, as we sit in this moment between 2023 and 2024, I believe God has got something that he wants to say to every single one of us. Today we're gonna talk about a powerful word. And when you see this word, it, it will come off to you automatically almost as a negative word, and that's not my intention. But the reality is that many of us struggle with this word. After the first service, I had a number of folks come up to me and go, man, that word hit me right between the eyes. I've struggled with that, and I've struggled with that. And I know it's gonna be true for us in this service as well. But it's the massive, the huge impact of this word, and it's procrastination. Yeah, first service kind of had a big hum and a roar around. It's like, oh, no, he's gonna talk about procrastination. And yes, I wanna spend a few moments this morning talking about procrastination, because here's the deal. You know what procrastination is, right? Procrastination is this idea or thought that I'll do tomorrow what I should have done today. I'll put it off till later. I'll do it later. It's, it's no rush. There's no need to be in a hurry. I can do it tomorrow. I can do it to, uh, later. But what if, and I want to give us a scenario, what if the possibility that God gave us this moment, God gave us this relationship, God gave us this instant to do something that could have potentially impacted eternity and we chose to disobey him and say, no, thank you, God, I'm gonna delay this. I'm gonna do a delayed disobedience and I'll do it later, I'll do it tomorrow. And what if the potential is that we miss the possibility of the blessing that God wants to give us today, that God wants to give us in the moment but we delay it and say, no, God, I'm not gonna do that now. I'm not gonna make right that relationship that I know we should make right, and then all of a sudden they pass away and we don't have an opportunity to make it right. And then we live with the guilt and the shame that Adam was just talking about for the rest of our life because we had a delayed disobedience instead of a, a moment in the moment saying, God, I'll do whatever you have called us to do. So here's the problem with all of this. When we have this dis, uh, delayed disobedience, we always think, well, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll take care of it later. I'll, I'll, I'll take a moment later. But here's the problem with that thought in our mind, later. The theology of later. It's this issue that none of us are promised or guaranteed tomorrow. And we know that to be true because we've lost loved ones, we've lost classmates, we've lost friends. So we know that to be true, but yet in the same way, we, we sit in this moment and just go, well, I'll, I'll wait and make it right tomorrow. I'll take care of it later. But here's what a wise man in the Old Testament said. 
I've been reading Proverbs for almost 20 years now. There are 31 Proverbs. There are 31 days in most months. So every day of the week, I read a proverb related to the day and the time of that day. Well, so here in Proverbs 27, we see this incredible wisdom that Solomon gives to all of us. And I hope that you will take this to heart and begin to listen to it. Proverbs 27, 1, he says, do not boast about tomorrow. Don't, don't brag about tomorrow because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't know if tomorrow's gonna come or not come. You don't know if you're gonna have the next breath. We have no control over that. We have no idea about that. So do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. So many of us will want to procrastinate. We'll want to put it aside because I can do it tomorrow. But what if we don't have tomorrow? What if tomorrow is not going to show up for us or for them that God has placed in our life? See, here's the problem with procrastination. Most of us go, well, that's no big deal. Procrastination is not really that big of a deal. It's a minor issue. But here's the, here's the real reality to it. Uh, procrastination is this battle. It's a spiritual battle of doing in the moment maybe what God has asked us to do and being obedient in that moment or being disobedient and saying, no, God, I know better. I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge of this life. I can take care of it, and I'll do it later. I'll do it in my time. I'll do it when it's convenient for me, and all of us have done that. And it's a struggle. It's, it's, it's this incredible struggle that we have, a battle between choosing the immediate comfort of later and the eternal significance of now. See, I, I don't, I don't want to deal with it right now. I'll deal with it later. That's, that's comforting. I can do it later. But the real reality is the potential of missing out on the eternal significance that God is wanting to do in this moment, in your life, and through the life of the people that you're wanting to minister to, that you're potentially God has placed in your path. So as I began to process through this, as I began to recognize the truth of this, there was a massive truth that began to kind of hit me in my heart. And, and, and I hope that you'll take some time, and I didn't say this at the very beginning, but I hope that you're taking notes or that you've got a camera that you can take pictures because some of the lines that I'm gonna give you today are, are powerful lines. They've so stirred in my heart over the last few months as I've been preparing for this and getting ready for this moment that are such powerful truths. And I know for many of you, they're not gonna be new words, but they're great reminders as we sit tonight looking into 2024 and to what God wants to do. But here's a huge statement that I think is powerful. There's a cumulative value. There's a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period of time. Now, this is true positively and negatively. There are these moments in our life where if we take small steps, every day, small steps, small steps, there's a huge cumulative value that as I go five years down the road, 10 years down the road, I look back at my life and I go, wow, had no idea of my relationship with God. I'm, I'm blown away at what God has done. I am overwhelmed by, by the, the bedrock faith that I have, that there are things that have come up in my life and, and I didn't walk away from faith. I used to walk away. I used to get angry with God, but in these moments now, I, I feel like I'm solid. I feel like God and I are okay. Even though the world seems to be falling apart, God and I are good. I wanna give you an example Many of us as, as family members, as parents, we, we've talked to you, but as a church leader, we've talked to you as well about the importance of, of being in God's word, reading God's word, uh, sending our kids to Wamba or Upstreet or to Transit or to IO and, and investing time and, and letting them be there week in and week out, being around peers, being around leaders, being around people that will love them and point them to God. There's this idea that when this happens, there becomes this intimacy that begins to take place in their life, but also in the life of the people around them. And I saw this lived out in an incredible way. I'm passionate about this, only because I have field experience with this issue. 
My parents are missionaries. They're heroes of mine, my mom and dad. My dad is 90 years old. My mom is 83 years old. They've been married almost 60 years. They got on a boat in 1965 on a ship and traveled for six months to go halfway around the world to share the good news of Jesus with people. So as a kid growing up, I would begin to watch my mom and dad, and every single morning they would wake up at four o'clock without batting an eye, would wake up at four o'clock. And I obviously was not awake at that time, but I, I would hear later on, and then as I grew older, I would begin to see some things. But they would get up at four o'clock and have their personal devotional time, and mom and dad together praying when daddy was at home, and they would pray and talk and do things together. And then about five o'clock, people from our village in this community where we lived would start pouring into our house at five o'clock, and from five to six, 6.30, they would be in my dad's office, crying out to God, worshiping together, praying together, celebrating what God had done, men and women crying for their neighbors who are far from God, praying for their co-workers, praying for their classmates, and whether it was rain, hell, sleet, snow, whatever it was, well, we didn't have snow in this area, but rain, hell, or sleet, they would come every single morning, never missing a day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, 365 days a year, they would show up in these moments. And so I saw this as a kid growing up, and I watched my mom and dad's faith exploding in front of me. Now, it wasn't that life was always great or grandeur for my parents. And then in 1971, a war breaks out in our country, and our family and one other family decided we'd be the two foreigners that would stay in this country, and the difficulty and the pain of watching people that you love die in a war. Natural disasters because the country was a country that is naturally before, below the sea level. And so we had, to, had natural disasters that would come in all the time. So there were all of these complicated things. But then not only that, personal things that begin to happen to our family. Mom is diagnosed with leprosy. And for six weeks, we've got to go to a leper colony in this third world country where lepers are considered outcasts, where people do not talk to you. They do not spend time doing things with you. And here's our family. We've got to spend time in a leper colony while my mom is getting healed, which by the way, she's completely healed of her leprosy. Praise be to God. Dad has a freak accident one day, passes out. And he's got an arm that's broken now, and he's got to have a metal plate with six screws put on his arm, and we're in a third world country. Hello, do you get my drift? And yet, in the midst of all of these difficulties, mom falls and breaks an ankle, and we've got to get her to the capital city so that we can get some kind of doctor treatment and stuff for a cast to be able to put on a leg. And through all of this, their faith was never shaken. They never argued. They never said another word. That their faith was solid. See, the powerful truth is that mom and dad taught me this principle. That every single day, good or bad, you take moments of faith, little cumulative steps in the right direction, and over a lifetime, those cumulative steps pay off big dividends in your life. The same is true in our relationships with my spouse, with my kids, with coworkers, with friends at school, that as I begin to spend time in their world and their life, and I speak into their life, they give me the right to be able to speak back into their life. For 20 years, I've had three guys that are my accountability partners, and we've had this relationship, and now we meet even on Zoom every Wednesday morning to just hold each other accountable so that we can have this moment. We have an incredible relationship. There's nothing that those guys don't know about my life, but it's developed this amazing relationship. So here's the thing about all of this truth that I'm talking about today. None of this is new news to us, but yet the reality is every single one of us ignore these truths. We don't want to apply them. We don't want to put them into play into our life, but yet we know that we should begin to put these things into play. 
So as I was processing through this, I began to think, well, why, why is it that we procrastinate? Why is it that we put aside the things that God maybe has stirred in our hearts to do in these moments, but we kind of push them aside? I, I wrote down four reasons. There are, four, there are tons of reasons, but four major reasons that I want to give us this morning. Number one is because we don't experience any significant consequences. I mean, think about that for a moment. You get on a diet plan, you're gonna eat right, you're gonna do right. You get going and you miss one day of the diet plan, you eat whatever you want to. Well, you don't notice it right away in the moment. Yeah, you may not feel great, but you don't balloon up 10 pounds or 15 pounds because of one moment. I'll skip exercising today. I mean, you don't, you don't miss anything. The heart's okay, the heart's fine. But here's the real reality. Over a long period of time, if we begin to put those things into play, it impacts our life. Number two reason why it happens. It happens to just kind of creep into our life slowly. See, procrastination never announces itself to us. It, it never says, hey, I'm getting ready to settle in on your life. Hey, put aside all that stuff because you're gonna become a, a slob for the rest of your life. No, it never announces itself. It just kind of creeps itself in. And then the third reason, the absence of instant consequences leads us to a false sense of security. Oh, well, I'm fine. I'm okay, my health is gonna be okay, yeah, I don't have to eat today, and then it becomes a week, and then it becomes a month, and it leads us to this false sense of security. And number four, a false sense of security continues to lead us down a road of procrastination, of constant procrastination. We keep going, and we keep going, and we keep going. Now, I want you to know something. When there is consistent procrastination, you reach a point when you can never recover what was lost. Did you write that down? Write this down, this is powerful. There comes a moment when you consistently procrastinate that you will lose whatever you've been working toward. Let me give you an example. You're a high school student. You're a junior, or you're a senior, or you're a college senior, you're getting ready to graduate, and all of a sudden, Maybe you've had this happen to you. A guidance counselor comes and goes, hey, by the way, um, you're not gonna be able to graduate this semester. You think you're gonna graduate, but you're not gonna be able to graduate. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what? I mean, I've got plans, I've made plans. I've already got my housing. I'm gonna move to Tallahassee. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And, and I've already got my housing. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're three hours short. You're six hours short because you've been spending time doing some other things at college or in high school that should have been preparing you for this next season, but you chose to ignore that. You just kind of put it on the shelf and just say, well, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. Well, and now later is caught up with you. And now you, you aren't gonna get to graduate. Or let me, let me push a little bit harder to us that are parents. God blesses us with little children and, and yet we hit in the season of our life and we're like, well, you know what? I need to pursue my career. I need to pursue my job. I need to make money. I need to get kind of stabilized things in our house for a little bit. So I'm gonna allow my little kids to grow up because everybody's doing this. Everybody's sending their kids off to all the select sports that they can play, the travel sports and, and the school sports. And, and I'll let them do all that and we'll get to church periodically. I'll get them to Wamba, to Upstreet, to Transit or to Io. I'll get them there periodically. I mean, it's not a big rush. And I, yeah, we value God. We care about God. We love God. God is important in our life. But we'll show up maybe on Easter. We'll show up on Christmas. We'll show up a few other times here and there, but it's not a big deal that they're not there every Sunday. And then all of a sudden, the child hits 18 and 19 and decides they're gonna go off to college, and now they don't, they're not looking for a church. They're not looking for an intimate relationship with God. They're, they're pursuing some other things because the, the slow moments that you've kind of taken them away from church and from a relationship with God has now turned their back on the very being who created them. You see, it's a sad truth, but the reality is that many times there's no going back. That's time that was lost. 
That's relationships that were lost. That behavior, it takes a long time to change and it's very, very difficult. So as we process through this, as we go through this, what do we do with it? How do we realize and how do we make, make life matter to where the things that we should put priorities on, the things that should bring value into our life, how do we do those things? Because the real, really, the real reality is most of us don't realize how these little steps begin to ruin some of the values that we are trying to instill in our kids. You see, procrastination takes no effort at all. Procrastination is easy. Procrastination, you don't sit down with your journal and say, okay, today I'm gonna procrastinate. We don't do that. You're not gonna get out sticky notes today and write sticky notes and say, uh, today is procrastination day and stick them on your mirror. You're not gonna stick them on your car. You're not gonna put them on your phone to go, hey, today I'm knowingly, willingly choosing to procrastinate. You're just not going to do that. Yet you'll fill your life with things that have no value. And yet, as you process through this, often we procrastinate, we fill our lives with the random instead of the important. Isn't that true? You see, procrastination, what happens when procrastination hits us, it hits us and, and we start filling our lives with the randoms and all the emergencies, all the phone calls, all the other problems that begin to happen, we begin to put our time and our energy toward those things instead of being able to sit down and think about what it is that God is calling us to do. I'll sleep a little bit extra today. God, I won't have my quiet time today. I'll do it later and then the day gets on. I'll do it tonight when I get home and we get home and, and the time is gone. Let, let me spend a few moments. I just wanna look and see what my family's doing on TikTok. Let me catch a couple of reels. Let me see what's happening on Snapchat. Let me see what's happening on Twitter. Let me look at Facebook. Let me kind of catch up for the day and two and a half hours later, this randomness has is, is come and gone and I, I can't get back that time. I can't redeem that time. Let me watch another Netflix show when we procrastinate, we fill our lives, and I wrote this next part of the statement, we fill our lives with the random instead of the important, and random never adds value to our lives. It never adds value, never adds value. You can underline never. It never adds value to our lives. That's why consistent procrastination is one of the greatest destroyers of our hopes and dreams, and I often sit in counseling session with many people like you, and I hear the stories, and I begin to almost weep, and I'm like, what if there was something that God wanted you to do that could have revolutionized and changed the world, but because of your procrastination, you're missing out on the dreams and the hope that God had for your life? Oh, what a shame. Because I've wrestled with that. Philip, you ever gonna get into the Bible and talk about the Bible? Yes, I am. Thank you for asking. As we begin to look at this word in procrastination, while you're not gonna see this word procrastination in the Bible, I think... The theme is there. I think we're gonna see it from the words of Paul. Paul is this incredible missionary, was not a Jesus follower, and all of a sudden had this incredible moment in his life where he went from killing Christians to becoming this incredible follower of Jesus, goes around all over the, the Asian minor provinces, develops these churches, develops relationships, and sees God do some incredible things. In fact, writes about two-thirds of the New Testament. He's sitting in a Roman prison. Think about that for a moment. Sitting in a prison, and he's writing this letter to a group of people in Ephesus. And he says, I've got some powerful words that I want you to think about. It's found in Ephesians chapter five, verses 15, 16, and 17. Listen to these words. He says, be very 
careful. He gives us this staunch warning. And I know you've heard this before. I know your pastor Paul has taught on this before, but I, I hope that you will kind of look at it in a different lens through different eyes today. But Paul says in these words, be very careful. It's like this incredibly powerful moment. Hey, I, I want you to take notice of this. Don't walk away from this. Uh, don't turn your back from this. Uh, don't be like the rest of the culture. It's so easy to fall into the traps of the culture and to procrastinate, to be careless, to kind of push things to the side, to procrastinate, to replace the important with things that aren't so important with the things that are random. And he says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, not like the culture, not like the world. It's so easy to go down that road. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, as wise. But then he continues on. Here's why, because making the most of every opportunity like, what if every moment, every person, every opportunity that comes before you is a God-ordained moment? Like, he wanted that person to cross your path because he knew that you were going to spend some time asking them some pertinent questions that will challenge them in their life. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would be the person that would share the hope and the love of Jesus with them. So he says, make the most of every opportunity, and he continues on. Why? Because the days are evil. I mean, we know that. We may not wanna like that or, or agree with that, but it's the truth. The days are evil. I mean, culture is trying to get us to procrastinate. Procrastinate, do it tomorrow, do it later. Don't make that relationship right now. Don't start tithing and giving now and allowing God to get control of your finances. Don't do it now, do it later. The days are evil and before you realize it, you will find yourself caught up in the randomness of life instead of in the important things that God is wanting to do in and through your life. It's so powerful. And then he closes out in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, there are these moments where wise people speak into our lives and they've written verses and they say, hey, don't do this, uh, don't, don't go to this place, don't, don't associate with this, don't act like this, because when you do, that is foolishness. Don't be foolish, don't be like them. And can I just speak to us honestly for a few moments? Procrastination is foolishness. And yet every single one of us will find ourselves in moments being foolish. And yet that sin has a way of taking us away from the plan and the purpose that God has desired and designed us for. You see, you cannot fill your life, you cannot fill your life with the random and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Hello, am I speaking to anybody today? You cannot fill your life with the random, with the craziness of life and culture, and fulfill the life and the calling that God has placed on your life. It is simply not possible. You can't do it. So as I wrap up today, there are two questions that I want you to take a picture of, I want you to write down. And I'm gonna challenge you in these next few hours, these next few days as you're sitting here in the last day of 2023 to begin to kind of maybe spur you to think about 2024. I know a lot of you have probably already set your goals. You've already looked at 2024. Maybe for some of you, you're going to do that tonight and that's awesome, that's great. I hope that you will do. But I hope that you'll process through these two questions. Question number one, where are you consistently procrastinating? 
Where are the areas in your life that you are consistently procrastinating? Like, I'll just set it off. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll make that phone call tomorrow. I'll make that relationship right tomorrow. Where are you procrastinating? God has said to you time and time again, hey, will you test me and try me in your finances? I know you're crazy upside down on your money right now. I know, and nobody's asked me to say this. This is to fill up an outside guy so I can say this because it's been truth in my life. I planted two churches, didn't have a lot of money, but my wife and I said, we'll never compromise our tithe and our giving to God because when we give to God first and we give him the first fruits of our life, he'll take care of the rest. It's on him then to take care of the rest of us. And some of you, you know good and well that God has been challenging you. This church has poured into you. The student ministry has poured into you. The children's ministry has poured into you. The group's ministry has poured into you. And time and time again, you've sensed God saying, hey, you ought you to come off of that money. After all, it's my money. Why don't you let me do what I want to do in your life and let me prove to you that I can take care of your needs? But yet, we're gonna continue to fight. What, what areas? Is there, is there a spouse that you need to go to, your spouse, and you need to apologize for something that happened yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, that keeps coming up in your mind, but you keep pushing it back, go, well, I, I'll do it later, I'll do it right. Well, what if tomorrow no, never comes and you don't get to make that right with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with your neighbor? To take those moments to do, what, what area in your life are you procrastinating? And number two, what guardrails, what safeguards will you put in place so you won't keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? What safeguard? What boundary? What markers? Is there somebody that needs to be a part of your life that needs to walk with you man on man, woman on woman? There's a secret, there's a private addiction, there's a, an issue that's taking place in your life and somebody needs to walk with you beside you to help you through that. What boundaries do you need to set in your life so that you don't destroy your marriage, so that you don't destroy your relationship, so that you don't destroy the money that God has placed in your stewardship? The kids that God has given I know there are family members, there are people here that care deeply about you that would love to walk with you and help you process how to raise kids, how to do that. Could you imagine what would happen if we begin to set those things in play? Where are you constantly procrastinating? What safeguard will you put in place so you won't keep doing the random? As I was processing through this and thinking about this, I thought, okay, well, that's, those are really powerful truths. Those are great questions that, you, that I've put together that God's kind of laid on my heart to give to us. But in reality, Philip, how do I really do this? Like, how can I, how can I really begin to to do this, I mean, I, I trust God, I, I believe in God, I'm in church, I, I try to do all those things, and I, I think there's a part that God helps us to begin to realize. It's found in the fruit of the Spirit, and this is just one of the traits that we find in the fruits of the Spirit. If you know the fruits of the Spirit, it says uh, uh, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think for some of us, the powerful truth is that we need to begin to realize that we need to put this into play into our life, self-control. You see, here's what happens. When we become a follower of Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of our life and then begins to help us live out our life. We no longer have to do life in our power, in our strength, and in our means. 
We can do it through the power and through the help of God's Spirit. So I have to have moments where I trust His Holy Spirit and I have self-control and I say, I'm not gonna go back to that buffet for the fourth or fifth time. I'm not gonna use that word again in my life. I'm not gonna say those lines to my wife and to my kids and to my friends and to my coworkers ever again. I'm gonna choose to use some different terminology. I'm gonna choose to do some things differently. I'm gonna practice and show some self-control, not because of the power that you have in and of yourself, but the power of God's Holy Spirit that resides inside of you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, do whatever you wanna do and see how far that gets you. See how well you live life. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we have no other option than to go, okay, God, I wanna practice this self-control. I want to be who you want me to be. What's the definition that I wrote down for self-control? Here it is. Self-control is doing what you should do, not what you want to do. It's what you should do. And the real reality is all of us know what we should do. There is some kind of a moral compass in all of us that goes, uh, I know I shouldn't do that. I knew I shouldn't put that off. I knew I shouldn't wait. I I know I shouldn't look at that. I know I shouldn't have spent my money that way. I knew I shouldn't have called her that, called him that, done this to them, done that to them. We all have that inside of us. We know what we should do instead of what we want to do. See, procrastination is easy. Following the culture's trend is easy. But following this relationship with Jesus requires self-control. It's difficult. It's painful. It requires sacrifices. But yet, when we pursue the things that are important instead of the things that are random, we find and live a fulfilled life. I want that for you in 2024. RCC wants this for you in 2024. And I pray that that's the desire of your heart. I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. Across all of our campuses, if you're watching online, you can do this as well. In this room, I wanna ask you to close your eyes, to bow your head. I'm done. I promise you, we're done. But I, I, wanna, I wanna pray for you specifically this morning. And I know that there are men and women and students in this room who would say, Philip, I, I really struggle with procrastination. Like, this is a major problem in my life. And this isn't gonna be for everybody. Some of you, man, you have self-control. You know how to practice that. But for some of you, there's like this grip that the enemy has on your life. He's got you so locked down that you procrastinate on everything. And it's now taking a toll on your relationships. It's taking a toll on your finances. It's taking a toll on your career. It's taking a toll on your education, your schooling process. Uh, like you are just procrastination essential. Everything is procrastination about you, about every avenue of your life. And today you would say, you know what? As I sit on the cusp of 2023, looking into 2024, I, I really wanna be set free from procrastination. I really wanna work hard with God helping me in self-control, his spirit working in me. I wanna break free from this idea of procrastination and I wanna pursue the life that God wants me to pursue. If you would, across all of our campuses, just raise your hand so that I can pray for you. I'm not gonna call you out by name. I'm not gonna ask you to walk forward. Thank you so much. And across all of our campuses, I know you guys, your campus pastors, you see the folks that are struggling with this idea of procrastination. I wanna pray for all of us and then we'll be done this morning. Most holy God, you are so amazing. You're so good to us. We don't deserve this life that you've given us. In some cases, many of us, and we've raised our hands even this morning, we have struggled with procrastination. Like every single day, every single decision, every single moment, we have procrastinated. We put it aside and said, I'll do it tomorrow. 
I'll do it later. I'll make that relationship right. I'll start giving. I'll start serving. I'll start going. I'll start speaking on your behalf. All of us have done this at some point in our life, and we put it on the shelf. And we continue to struggle with that. And God, that is a delayed disobedience. And so I pray today for my friends across all of our campuses online in this room here that raised their hands, took the courage to raise their hands and say, I struggle with this. I want to break free of this. I don't want 2024 to be exactly the same as 2023. I want it to be different. So would you give them the courage to break free from procrastination, to to not pursue the things that are random, but to, to pursue the things that are important, to pursue the things that you desire for them to pursue as they move into 2024. And God, as a result of that, I pray that you would help their self-confidence to rise up and that their self-control would begin to help them to realize that they can, with the help of your Holy Spirit, begin to put barriers, to put boundaries, and to not go down the same roads that they've always gone down so they can get a different result in 2024 than they did in 2023. So God, thank you for what you're gonna do in all of our lives tonight, tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year. God, thank you for this incredible church. Thank you for our staff, for our pastor, for all of our volunteers, for everybody that makes this happen. We are so grateful. I thank you for this privilege of being here for a few moments to encourage my family and my friends. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.